What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> that one was 25 inches. Oh my God. Yeah, and like I said, I I had seven keepers. I ended up putting one on back. Cause honestly, that last, the big one was the last one I caught. I had one on there that was probably like 17 inches and I was just trying to upgrade it and I caught that one. I tossed the other one back. It was pretty cool. There's this little mink running around trying to steal my fish. I wouldn't suggest grabbing him. No, this thing's like a ferret. Yeah, I've seen the big yeah. Lebowski. <laughs> you know that scene I'm talking about where they toss that ferret in the bathtub with the guy? Oh, that's right. They do, don't they? <laughs> yeah. All right. They, they, they threw it in with uh, they threw it in the dude, right? With the dude, yeah. yeah. Dude, watch my beverage. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a beverage here. Remember he had a white rush. No, <laughs> they were wrestling. They were going to rough him up. All right. Let's jump into it. You guys ready? Mm. All right, I'm Chase Weniger, sitting down with Lee McClellan. How is everyone? Like, like I've told you this before, Lee. It's a podcast, so they can't answer. <laughs> I know. And uh, we got <laughs> Easton Copley, C-O-P-L-E-Y, Copley, right? Yes. I always wanted to say Copley, but now I've got it right. It's the same. Either way, it's fine. And tomato, you are, tomato. Yeah. And you're an aquatic educator for yes, fish sir. and wildlife. Yes, sir. And that means you teach people how to fish. And take them fishing, yes. And so the problem I have with this is that in order to teach people how to fish, it seems like you need to know how to fish yourself. Okay. And uh, it just seems like a little contradictory to me. Yeah, I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> no. No, you catch fish. Few. Sometimes. We went fishing when up. I mean, you you fish quite a bit. You've got a bass boat. You get out. You've got a kayak too, right? Uh, a lot of the departments. That, so you, but I mean, I've been kayak fishing with you before. Yeah. We, we get out, we get out the department boats and uh, see what we can get into, that's for sure. So I, I actually, I've been on one shoot with you before, and that was on the Licking River last year. We were kayak fishing. And uh, we, Falmouth? Uh, we went to the South, 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 South Fork. That little park? No. We right park. Above the dam there or below? No, no. We took out of the airport. We parked at a... Oh, y'all did layered airport? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was a good time. It was a, it was a fun that play. Was a, I did a Blue Bar Trail on that. Yep. I think that might be one of the reasons we went there. I think it is. Easy shuttle. So that's how I initially learned about most of your programs. Correct. Like I said, you teach people how to how to fish, and not just that, but you teach people how to fish. clean fish. I mean, and so basically, you have three programs, and it sounds like you might have four now. So you were just mentioning some new kayaks that the department had gotten, and how you were teaching people how to do that as well, right? Correct. Yeah, the department purchased uh, twelve kayaks to use um, for educational use. Basically, anybody that wants to learn more about um, kayak fishing, mm -hmm. um, the main reason we kind of wanted to get into it was, you know, you go out to a college kid and say, "Hey, you want to come learn how to fish." Well, we're going to go to a fins lake and stand on the bank and catch bluegill. Not, not, not extremely exciting. Not, not super jacked, but if you're saying, hey, let's go to Licking River and take a you know, four-hour float, yeah. um, even if they're not catching fish, they're out kayaking. Yeah, so, it's always fun. Um, it gets a lot of interest for you from a younger crowd. One of, one of the cool things, so I mean, but like you were saying, so standing on the bank of a fins lake catching bluegill is always that fun, but sometimes that's perfect. Exactly. Like I know a lot of people who use your programs, uh, and the programs I know about are Angler's Legacy, which is where, and correct me if I'm wrong, you teach adults or yes. basically grown-ups who don't really have much experience fishing yeah. how to fish, yeah, right? And the, the two main deals with that is we wanted to get people that maybe they went fishing as a kid mm -hmm. and kind of got out of it, a rebirth, I guess, and also people that have young kids that yeah. their kid comes home like, I want to go fishing. Yeah. Well, if they don't know how to fish, then they can't take them. Well, so I kind of thought, and one of the draws you talked about before with that one might be single mothers yes. or something like that. And that would be the perfect time for somebody to go stand on the bank of a fins lake yep. and learn how to catch bluegill and do things like that. Because right. then they can t take their kid out there. Yep. And it's not, not as much about what species you catch as far as it's more about how to bait the hook properly, how to take the fish off properly, yeah. how to handle it without getting stuck if it's catfish. Just mm -hmm. 
little simple things that, that we can teach you um, in order for you to be able to take your kid out. So you got the, the basic knowledge you need to be able to go out there and just feel confident having a good time. Yep, that's it. And so that's so that's mainly who that program, Angler's Legacy, appeals mm-hmm. to is like single moms and people who just haven't fished in a while. Right, or, you know, some of that used to fish and then they quit for whatever reason. They just want to refresh your course. Okay. Do you feel like, who do you feel like your main people that you see in that course are we see a lot of refreshers and and it's a lot of like um, i used to fish when i was a kid and i quit and now my son or grandson wants to go or, or granddaughter or whatever they come in with very little bit of knowledge it's not been used in forever um and within you know two or three hour course and a couple hours fishing we can actually completely convert them into a self-sustaining you know, I can go by myself and catch fish and one thing that's cool about all these classes and i believe i'm correct on this is that the only fee is that you own a hunting or fishing license, right? You own a fishing. Yep, you have to have a fishing license. So, Other than that, um, everything's free. So it's not like you're paying fifty bucks for a class or something. If you have a fishing license, you're eligible to take these classes free of charge. The department supplies you with rods, reels, tackle, everything you need, mm-hmm. and is yep. supplying with you to be out there and kind of helping them out and instructing right. them a little bit. Yep, we have all the stuff you need while you're at the class. You're free to use whatever we've got. Mm-hmm. So uh, and and we cover what to look for if you're going to purchase equipment. You know, it's intimidating if you don't know what you're looking at to walk into Cabela's. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, there's 12 or 14, you know, aisles of fishing stuff. What do I need? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of get you set up with a basic do-it-all combo mm-hmm. and, and show you how, why we picked that and explain it. And that will give you the confidence to go in and buy your own. And uh, so that's the first program. The second one would be Hook and Cook, which right. is kind of Angler's Legacy where you also teach them how to clean and cook fish yeah so angler like you said angler's legacy is the base of that program uh, we're going to teach you all the basics you need to know about fishing we're going to take you fishing for a few hours um, we're going to show you how to clean fish how to cook fish and feed you a meal and it's a hands-on so there are fish there and if you catch fish and you want to if it's a legal fish to keep you can keep that and you can clean it and cook it right there on yep. the spot so and usually we have um, leftover meat that you know we, we've got however many catfish if you want to clean one and take it home you know that's that's your dinner tomorrow yeah. night so. Huh. so you can almost pay for your fishing lessons right there. That's right. Yeah, hands-on is the uh, the best way to learn is to do. So right. that's what that's learning what is learning by doing is what we always say in our class. And then the third program that I know about is called Teachers Tackle Box. Yep. And that's where you teach educators. Yep. So that, that was designed uh, more for teachers in the school system or you know seasonal workers at state parks. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's kind of a group come in that wants to learn how to fish. Um, not only do we teach you how to fish yourself. We cover a lot of basic group management kind of stuff. Okay, so okay. safety for small groups, other things that people can do aside from fishing while you're while you're at the park, and and that gives them more of a teach the teacher kind of thing. Say someone's a teacher and they are interested in teaching a group of people how to fish. One of the barriers they're going to have is equipment, and you take care of that as well. Yep, yep. So. Especially if you go through one of our classes, uh, we kind of put you at the top of the list. Uh-huh. You call and say, "Hey, I've got twenty kids. We're going to go." whatever park on whatever day and we'll get it set up in the week before to drop the equipment off yeah uh, we're gonna give you rods reels extra tackle in case you break off pliers to you know get a deep hook out and then we'll come pick the equipment up after the event so this is something people don't realize their hunting and fishing dollars are, are going mm-hmm. towards that's where we support uh, thousands and thousands of kids get to fish because aquatic ed supplies equipment yeah i got one of my seasons right now on his way Back to Frankfurt with over 100 rods and reels that he's been out just picking up and, and returning. And yeah. we'll bring them back here and get them fixed up, and they'll go back out tomorrow. Yeah, a big part of fishing wildlife is opportunity. 
And uh, that's kind of what you're trying to provide. You're just teaching. And I, I swear that's something that not that many people who hunt and fish in the state know that we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to get the word out there. People ask, what do you do every day? It's like, uh, I mess with fishing poles. They don't understand that we're talking, you know, we had two equipment drops in Western Kentucky last week, and that's where you know, Jason's out picking that stuff up now. But he'll bring in 100 poles, and within a week they'll be back out, mm-hmm. you know, back in Western Kentucky. Now i got some going in Northern Kentucky tomorrow, and we're talking 30, 40 poles at a time. Yeah. Hmm. So a lot of them are like Boy Scout, Girl Scout camps, yeah. summer programs for schools. Tomorrow we're going to Western Kentucky to, to work an event. There's going to be like 75 high school kids, and we're going down there to kayak and, and fish with them. Is the kayaking one included in one of those ones we just talked about? Is it like an Angler's Legacy kayak program or something like that? Yeah, basically. Um, the only thing we do with that is is basic fishing, basic kayak, so all the safety stuff. And then we put the two together and, and take you on a kayak trip. Sounds pretty awesome. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Now, do you stick to certain, like, okay, so Lee here has covered all the blue water trails, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that when you do a kayak trip with these people, you're probably sticking to some of those? Yeah, uh, and it depends on the time of year. In the spring, we try to plan more for smaller lakes. That way we don't, you know, get everybody real excited to go, and then the water's blown out, we can't travel. So, you know, preferably, if I'm about a kayak, I want to be on moving water, mm-hmm. on some sort of creek. Floyd's Fork would probably be a good one. Yeah, if the water's right, yeah. yeah. But plan B is always a small lake. Uh, that way they don't have to deal with better traffic and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm assuming you're probably going to where most of the populations are. So, like Louisville, you probably spend a lot of time around Louisville, right? Yeah, Louisville, Lexington, and Northern Kentucky are, are three big, uh, you know, people that are in eastern Kentucky a lot of times, if they want to hunt or fish, they do it. You know, there's nothing yeah. that stops them. So mm-hmm. um, That's how a lot of those people, I mean, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they lot, grow up doing it. A lot of people, and I mean, yeah, exactly. People in eastern Kentucky, that's what their family does. That's what their friends yeah. do. But as far as people in Louisville goes, that might not be what everybody's hobby is. Right. So, and Louisville has a ton of access for for fishing, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the the Ohio River there with the falls, and you got Floyd's Fork Park. Otter Creek is pretty close. You got Fins Lakes all over the place. I think five Fins Lakes out there. Five of them in, in Louisville. So, yeah. Taylorsville isn't far. Yeah, yeah Taylorsville's not far. Salt River's pretty close by. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Louisville probably has as much fishing access as almost anywhere. Yeah, it's hard to beat, and and the opportunity for kayak fishing in that area is yeah. crazy. I'm really down to go uh, kayak fishing in Louisville. I go to the Floyd's Fork quite a bit, but I'm wanting to go to the falls. Have you ever fished the falls? I have not. You never have you fished there, Riley? It's awesome, yeah. especially when the water is low, though. It's yeah. really good in October. When you have that low, I go down there and wade. It looks like it's going to be good right now. I never have been to the falls. Of course, I mean it's actually in Indiana. But since Kentucky technically owns the entire Ohio River. We have a reciprocal agreement, so you can fish from the Indiana Bank with your Kentucky fishing license. But the, the water is Kentucky, correct? Well, almost all the way over. Almost all the way? <clears throat> okay. But can uh, somebody from Indiana fish the bank on our side? Yes. Okay, okay. I see. But I you can't fish tributaries or embayments, yeah. just the main stem. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. But So I'm going to go to the falls, and uh, Cheno Ross, you know Cheno. Mm-hmm. He's a guide out there. He told me a, a spot. And I'm, this I've never been there, so this might make more sense to you. But there's an island. Uh, I think maybe it's called the Duck Pond or something like that, mm-hmm. out there in the middle of the falls. And he said if you kayak across below the upper dam, and you go to that spot and you beat your kayak, and then you wade down the fossil beds, he said mm-hmm. that's the best place to wade fish. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wanting to do that. And I've done it from the Indiana shore, just wade fishing, caught sauger on the fossil beds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that'd be fun. Stripers should be hitting down there right now. I've seen a lot of people catching hybrids. So mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about the falls, but I've never made it over there. Honestly, the main barrier for me going to the falls is uh, Louisville traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I get off work at four, so I can be in downtown Louisville at rush hour if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. 
go there, and that just doesn't sound like the, yeah, the best thing. Yeah, if you wait till traffic dies down, then you're looking at dark. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because Louisville rush hour is probably, what, 4 to 6.30 or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. I, every time I go to Louisville, I get a little bit ticked off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Even people who live in Louisville. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You, you wish you had, like, a the old speed racer. <laughs> the the uh, saw blades would come out and he could chop down trees. You switch him with that. You could just chop down all the traffic in your way. You can find all that mess for two hours. Yeah. Fish for an hour and it gets dark. Or you could just jump over the hill and jump in the elk horn. Yeah. But some, yeah. some of the fish people catch at the falls, you know, you really can't match the fishing there. Because, I mean, it's kind of a weird fishery. It's on the major rivers. Sauger. Uh, Smallmouths. I, I see people catch a channel the other day had a, ma- a mixed bag uh, blue cats, sauger, striper, spoonbill, uh, big head carp. I mean, he had pretty much anything. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. When you get a bite, you don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, that's why I want to go there. A lot of those species I never have caught. Well, I guess the spoonbill I haven't caught, but some of those other ones I have. Are there walleye in the Ohio? Should be. I, yes, there are in the upper parts. Okay. I don't know all the way to Louisville. Like, I, I've told you guys before, I like to knock out species. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'd be like, like, I have all of Rick's posters. In, uh, in one of our rooms in my house, I'm like, all right, which species? And which that's one's what, getting it today? Yeah, that's, that's what I try to do. I'm not always successful. Like, muskie has been evading me. You know what I mean? I don't feel too awful bad about getting beat by the muskie, but I told you all I knocked out a new one yesterday. If you didn't see the Facebook thing, I said, Tim Sloan, you know any good recipes? <laughs> yes. so, we were laughing in our meeting this morning. Yeah, he said, uh, he said you're dead to me. Oh, man. <laughs> so that's all he said. Not what you think there. Yeah, that's all he said is you're dead to me. He's been targeting them for, I don't know, two years maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure he's caught some, but he probably just hasn't gotten into a mess of them. Not like you did. I got lucky. I had a good tip. I caught, mm-hmm. I caught two out at Gish Creek on Thursday. Where were you yeah. fishing at? In a lake. I know in the lake with me. Just you, one of those guys that's not. Where'd you catch no, that fish? Uh, it was in the water. It was in the water. You put it the marina and turn right, get towards the bridge. Okay, okay. I put it on the right. There's you caught two saw guy? Yep. That's they, kind didn't of, have, they didn't have a lot of size to them. But, yeah. That's that's kind of the area I fish when I go out there in my kayak because I live like literally right up Benson from yeah. Gus Creek. So I'll just put my kayak in at the public fishing pool off right. there. And usually I'll go right under the bridge yep. try to stay out of the main main traffic. But people catch hybrid and all kinds of stuff on Gus Creek. I'd really like to get back out there. And I've caught hybrids on Gus Creek. Catch them in the jumps out there. It's a good time. Really? Water. Seems like Gus Creek has better fishing than I used to give it credit for. I think it's come a long way from what I hear. Really? Yeah, I mean, you can go out there and struggle, but any cast, you catch, you know, five-pounders, nothing out there. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the last two world record white cats came out of mm-hmm. Gus Creek. That's what here. Which isn't the most impressive fish in the world, but it's still a world record. Yeah. So. State so. record. State. Oh, I thought they were world records. No, state record, right. I believe. Oh, I, I could have sworn it was a world record. But I trust you more than myself, Lee. So I am state record fish program coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will trust you much more than myself. <laughs> Dang. One of those all guy caught yesterday. I was, I mean, it was big enough. I was like, hmm, I wonder what the state record is. But of course, it was nowhere near it. It was probably four and a half pounds. State records six point eight. I feel very confident in that. I just looked it up yesterday. Where was it caught? Yeah, it wasn't Gus Creek or Taylorsville. Honestly, I don't remember. I just looked at the size and I looked briefly where it was caught. But at that point, I was like, uh, I lost. I Try again. I didn't get it. Just eat it for dinner. I did. Oh, I, I've cleaned it for dinner and hadn't been eaten just yet. But it would be good, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, you got any fishing trips planned soon? Either one of you guys? Um, Thinking where some hot spots we could send people towards. Elkhorn, everywhere's Elkhorn's pretty, good right now. Everywhere's hot right now. If you may say, I wrote a 
If you're looking at fishing's on fire right now. If you're looking at kayak or just wade, so you can do pretty much anything. Elkhorn, I went out there uh, Saturday. I actually didn't fish much. I just kind of enjoyed the float. I took a bow fishing rig with me and shot a few fish. It was a perfect flow, perfect water level. There were other people out there fishing. I talked to them, and they said they'd had some luck. So got a feeling Elkhorn's good. Floyd's Fork is probably a little low. I looked at the flow, and I think it was like oh, 50. Green River should be rounding into form. Last time I checked, it was still 400-something release level, which is, you know, a lot of times if you want to check these tailwaters, go to that daily lake report. Louisville District of the Corps of Engineers puts out. It's invaluable. Yeah. I've been checking that quite a bit lately for the Salt River because I've been wanting to go back to the spillway and uh, try to catch some fish down there. But last time I looked there, at least 1,500. And that's just because the lake was above Summer Pool. Mm -hmm. It was like a foot a foot above Summer Pool. So pretty much. You're supposed to get rain the rest of the week, too? This week? A couple, a couple days, I think. Well, I would be willing to bet that right now they're just barely releasing probably 400, 500 CFS. Just the best release level for Green River is 150. If you can find that, it's just perfect. From the dam to Greensburg, which is my favorite water on the river. Still have yet to do that one. Oh, it's great. I did put that bug back in Chad's ear the other day. I said, soon, man, you need to give us a look Yes, yes. Green River. Yes, and then we'll be we'll be down from that. We'll be in a uh, national park. But We have a big event coming up this weekend. Uh, I already told Easton, but we're leaving on Wednesday to go to Nolan. And we're going to fish uh, a couple nights, and then we are going to do something in western Kentucky on Friday night. I don't remember what. And Saturday and Sunday, we're going to be covering that carp madness coming up, which should be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. They have high hopes for it. Now, I mean, I'm sure it's going to turn out good if the weather cooperates. There's usually quite a few fish get shot. Yeah. Well, this is the first time they've done a bow fishing one. Mm -hmm. But a lot of fish get shot. And uh, one, of the, one of the fisheries guys, one of the assistant uh, directors of the fisheries was in here earlier. And he said, right now, it's just absolutely ridiculous below, uh, below Barkley in the tailwaters. He said, you get up there and all those fish are pulled up, and it's just ridiculous how many fish there are. So I expect to see some good stuff. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And get bloody, I'm sure. Oh, man, those Asian carp. That's fine with me, though. That's what, I mean, I never have caught an Asian carp. I kind of like the line and the rod and reel one. I probably make that happen down there this mm -hmm. weekend. A rod and reel one? I mean, is there anything they actually bite on? Not that I think that we should promote fishing for them, because then people are going to like having them. Well... Fish and sling them in the trees. Catch <laughs> as many as you want and feed them to your cat. Well, yeah. if you had any of the fish with the sample, you know what it tastes like. I had some. Silver carp's not bad. It goes it way better than the catfish. It goes well with an IPA. I remember that from the sampler. You were there, right, Lee? Yeah, I talked no, to you. I was not there. You weren't there? No. Man. You missed out on some good fish. Yeah, the fish was great. The pork was great. And uh, so was everything. Everything they had at the sampler this year was pretty good. But, yeah, I saw uh, – so there's an old Kentucky field video of uh, Tim out there with Jim Doom. And he they're crappie fishing or something like that, I believe. So Tim's using like six or eight-pound test, and he hooks into probably a 50-pound big head. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long they fought it for, but, I mean, it was ridiculous. I'd say quite a while. They ended up landing it, netting it, and getting in the boat and everything. And, I mean, it was – it looks like it would probably be one of the funnest fish to catch. But at the same time, I don't want anything to do with them around mm -hmm. here. I might have already told you this. I was down at Salt River fishing the other day, and these guys were out snagging below the spillway, just throwing big treble hooks out and ripping through the water, which I never have done that before either. But they hooked into a big head down there. And uh, I was like, I hope you guys kill that thing. Yelled at them from across the spillway, and they were like, oh, no, we like catching them. And just tossed it right back in. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that hurts. Mm -hmm. But what, do you, what can you do, you know? I know. Uh, All you can do is educate them. Let them make the decision on their own. Well, I mean... I feel like they know exactly what they're snagging into you there. Think. Those things are up at the Salt River. Those things are at the spillway below Guest Creek. Are they any any 
unimpeded waterway to the Ohio River, they're pretty much going to, yeah, they're going to be right there, which is, I don't think there's big heads, I guess, but there's definitely silvers. Big heads probably do a lot more damage per fish, but silvers probably overpopulate. They're the ones you see the videos of where they're all jumping out of the water in schools mm -hmm. of a hundred. Breaking people's noses and stuff. Yeah. People have to use a garbage can lid like a shield yeah. and run their boats to <laughs> well, <laughs> knock them out of the way. Actually, sounds awesome. No, I mean that's, yeah, that's what a, they've done. Uh, They'll wallop you if you're going yeah. fast. I mean, that's. Do you have any idea how the sound barrier did? Either one of you. I do not. So no, I wrote a thing about it. I'm it, interested to hear. It's going to be quite a bit of a study. It's not like super immediate. Yeah, well, there's going to be like a long term study. Yeah. So talk about it a little bit because I don't necessarily know everything about it. Well, they're experimenting with using a barrier below. Uh, Kentucky and Barkley uh, to prevent passage because the reason they're so bad in there is because of you know th those are locks and dams so they you know if you want a barge to get through you have to open a hole in the dam to let it through and here come those Asian carp I was at the original carp madness and the numbers were crazy oh it's just it's heartbreaking Kentucky Lake is like the greatest place on earth <laughs> for bass fishing it's the oh, best yeah. bass lake and I mean yeah, it just makes you sick. I mean, I was on Kentucky Lake one time, just throwing a grub, and as I on the same point, up shallow, I caught a bluegill and I moved out. Then I caught a nice largemouth bass and I moved out and I caught a black hoppie. Then I moved out and I caught a twenty-two inch drum. <laughs> same lure, same point. That's pretty yeah, interesting. That's pretty I mean, it's just yeah, that's just Kentucky Lake. I just love it. And yeah. I'm hearing reports of, of emaciated fish now, and yeah. Large mouse and things of that nature, people are really, really concerned. And I've seen schools of them in the lake when I've been fishing going, oh, no. You mm -hmm. see them cruise through. It's, I was down there about a year and a half ago with Jim Doom in the spring. So it was just over a year ago. And uh, something was causing a die-off. They were... Good. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. it takes root and <laughs> cleans every one of them. Well, it had something to do with, <laughs> had something to do with the weather that year. I think the, the water, the plankton just hadn't developed yet, and they were starving. And you would literally see these super thin Asian carp just swimming up on shore. I mean, I could almost just grab them. They were dead all over the place. But uh, the Asian carp, yeah, definitely taking a toll on the lake. But then again, we also just had the FLW down there. And uh, I think it, it didn't was like, look like it took too much of a toll yeah, for them. It was like a record win, a record oh, yeah. bag. Yeah. 104 pounds in four days. Yeah, the guy averaged 28 pound bags. Yeah, that's that was kind of a ridiculous tournament. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I was talking. Well, that's Kentucky Lake. That's why it's just. Yeah, that's not the ridiculous part to me. The ridiculous part to me is that guy dropping. You know what I'm talking about, Easton? Guy was sitting in first place. You heard this story? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not going to know this whole story because that's something to do with long takeoff on day one, day two. But basically, going into day three, you had this one guy sitting in first place and another guy sitting in second place. So they launched one and two on day three, right? And the guy who launched second had just a little bit faster boat. And we got to remember, this other guy sitting in first place on day three of this tournament mm -hmm. with a $100,000 check on the line, right? And they were going to the exact same spot to fish. And they, uh, the guy who took off second and, and was in second got there about five seconds first, and he set, he set up on this ledge, right? And apparently there's a very specific angle that you have to fish this ledge. So he was set up on this ledge. Other guy comes up on him, and they're literally bumping boats. Yeah, on this, like their boats were touching on this spot and of course there's cameramen and people out there and you can, any fists well they were they were getting they were arguing but apparently from what i heard it stayed fairly civil they were yeah. just getting well, little, like one of them picked up and left and, yeah well that's what so they were bumping boats and the guy who got there first who was sitting in second had caught like three or four keepers and the other guy hadn't caught any and the dude who was literally sitting in first place in that tournament said you know what this isn't for me he just packed it up went back to the boat ramp and withdrew sitting sit in first place 
Really? He just said, he said, I'm done with it. Packed it up, went home, and uh, both of the guys are from the uh, Pickwick area. Yeah, but one of them with $100,000 on the line sitting at first said, done, quitting. Just ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. know what the pressure's like for $100,000. <laughs> and for $100,000, yeah, you can have this spot. I see a perfectly yeah. good spot right over there. But the guy who uh, won it was the guy who stayed on that point. And he had, like, a record bag that day. And he, I think, ended up with a record bag for the entire tournament. Like Easton said, like 108 pounds. And uh, he won it by a record margin. I think mm-hmm. he it doesn't sound to me like Kentucky Lake's going downhill too fast. That's what it, I mean. But you, I've heard it, it. I've heard from a bunch of people that's going down. Yeah. Of course, I mean, if you live down there, you fish it yeah. you know, once or twice a week, you know. People know a lot better than I do because I, I don't make it down that way very often. But I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, those are huge numbers of big fish in that lake that have to have a toll on it somehow. Mm-hmm. And basically what they're doing is they're over-consuming all the plankton and all the all the stuff that our smaller fish, which would be bait fish for a species like bass, typically feed on so basically what they're doing is they're over-competing the bait fish. And that eventually is going to lead to thinner bass, yeah, starvation, just basically less food source. It's going to mean less fish or less quality fish. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I understand it, Riley. Yes. When they're all small, they all compete for the same food source, no matter species. Right. So that, that's where the trouble is. Yep. Yeah. Well, and then, but the thing is that the small fish, well, yeah, okay, even the big Asian carp are eating the same thing mm-hmm. that the small ones are, right? Because mm-hmm. they just feed on plankton and that kind of stuff all the time. So you got these fifty-pound carp out there in schools of a thousand that are trying to compete with a shad, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what's happening. I, I don't think there's a bass big enough in there to eat a big head. Maybe a baby. I like to see one. Yeah, <laughs> I like to catch one. I've seen it. Well, the leader in the tournament caught a nine-seven. Yeah, that's great. So I mean, it looks like a good tournament took place where, out there. But where were they catching these fish at? Oh, uh, they were running north. As far as I know, where, where, were they coming out of Paris? You know, I don't know the details. You'd have to ask. I don't. I don't keep up with the tournament stuff too awful much. Uh, Paris Landing in Tennessee is where they lot up and take out. Yeah. yeah, I went. We went fishing with uh, a guy, a BFL guy, uh, on Friday night, and we went to Cumberland. This guy actually won BFL on Cumberland fishing for smallmouth. So he was exclusively fishing for smallmouth. Everybody else is going after largemouth, of course. And he won that one. He's won a couple of BFLs all over the place. So he's a really good fisherman, but, man, Chad, uh, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast this guy I'm talking about. Chad put it to him that night. And uh, I think there was like seven fish, and Chad Chad had seven bass, and this guy got, had one. Wouldn't be the first person Chad's put it to. No, but, I mean, this guy knows. So he, you know, he, he's thumped me before, that's for sure. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. What are you talking about? You know, did he catch some fish? Yeah, we, we did. And uh, Easton actually ran into this guy on Dale Hollow last yeah. year. and he helped me out nice as could be. Oh, he's a super nice guy, yeah. very nice guy. But Easton, as far as I mean, you could probably tell the story a lot better than I could. You you were down there struggling. Oh, we were struggling hard. Called decent Friday, struggled really hard Saturday. Uh, we were going to fish till lunch, and... Uh, it was like 11.30, and we were uh, fishing around the marina, and we were getting ready to pack it in and head home, and, and this guy came down, we started you know, talking a little bit. Uh, he sized up my equipment pretty well, and, well, my, my boat's not brand new, and uh, my electronics aren't brand new, and he realized that we weren't a serious tournament angler, and we got talking, and 15 minutes into the conversation, he asked if we'd been catching any. Uh, no. And... So he said, well, if, you know, come over here, let me help you out. And he, he gave us the bait that they were looking for, and it, it turned out really well for us. So yeah. It's but, a small world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that guy, yeah, he's 
he's serious. Yeah. yeah, he's big into it. He's, he's won some money fishing these BFLs all over the place. But yeah. that's a, that's kind of the different thing about him is that when he fishes these BFLs, he goes looking for the smallies, yeah. which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most people. He mm-hmm. says if you catch five smallies, a lot of times you're going to win it. So mm-hmm. just whether or not you catch them. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> if y'all caught on Friday. We, uh, we struggled a little bit. It was hard. I mean, it seemed like the... Night? Yeah, we fished... Uh, yeah, we started in the evening. It it's on like, Cumberland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the, the bites were there, but the fish just weren't weren't taking mm-hmm. it hard. Yeah, there was kind of, you know, picking it up, spitting it out type deal. A lot of a lot of mistook sets. And a lot of fish slipping off, like they were just grabbing the trailer or something like yeah. that. You'd hear the drag whine for about a second and a half, and then gone. But, uh, and sometimes that could be our old friend, Mr. Spotted Bass. They're notorious yeah. for that. But they, oh, caught, yeah. they caught mostly smallies and a spot or two, and a rock bass, which is just, seems like a rock bass. If they want to bait, it doesn't matter how big it is or well, what. I've caught them on the little. dam there with my wife before. Yeah. Man, they'll hit anything. And they'll, it's like they're the most accurate fish in the world, too. They get right on the hooks every time. Yeah, it's perfect. But uh, it was kind of funny. We fished uh, for quite a while that night. And then when we got back and boated the and put the boat on the trailer i just grabbed a rod off the deck and i said i'm gonna go down here and uh, just pitch a little bit and i caught like a three pounder right under the dock and five cast and it's like if only we could have had that on the show it'd been great i was actually i was watching these big drums swimming on, underneath the lights right there by the docks and i was like i'm gonna just pick up a creature bait where were we all at uh, you know it was a place that we never had it was on the far side of the lake actually we were really close to the camp so you probably know where i'm at yeah, if you're going down the road towards Camp Earl Wallace, mm-hmm. you get to a stop sign. Take a right, you go to the camp. Take a left, you go to this boat ramp. Beaver Creek. Uh, we were in Beaver Creek. That's not the name of the ramp we were at. But we fished, we fished Beaver Creek. Yeah. We didn't leave the creek. So. It's a huge creek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at it on the map. It's, it doesn't look I've all camped that, in the mouth of Beaver and Otter. We used to do that all the time. It doesn't look all that big on the map. But once you actually get there yeah. and you pull up your map, you're like, wow, that's, that's four miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you look at it on the map and you take think about the size of Beaver Creek on Cumberland compared to uh, Taylorsville Lake yeah. or something like that. It's like, well, that's a, that's a really big yeah, creek. Yeah, I mean, but essentially it's about the same. Yeah, no. <laughs> Beaver Creek is, is Taylorsville. Yeah, it's ridiculous how big that place is. And Cumberland, uh, some, some cool facts about Cumberland. I think it's the largest... Uh, volume of water of any man-made lake in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kentucky has the largest surface area of any man-made lake. So, mm-hmm. kind of cool facts about our, our lakes here, at least. Dale Hollow has the largest smallmouth of any lake in the U.S. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know exactly where it is because I've held it. I've held mm-hmm. the lure. I've held the rod. I've interviewed Mr. Hayes. You know what? So, there's always been some debate about that world record smallmouth, right? Like, back in the day when it first happened, there was some controversy that happened. It's been cleared up. Yeah, it's been cleared up. And uh, basically what happened was David Hayes caught that smallmouth uh, in Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time he caught it, the closest marina was in Tennessee. Well, he took it originally to Wisdom Dock, which is in Kentucky, but their scales were not certified. Yeah. And there is a record of that where the smallmouth is right before 12 pounds, but these scales were not certified for trade. So they went down Lake into Tennessee to have them weighed on a scale certified for trade. Yeah. And what, what brought the controversy up was an affidavit found by an outdoor writer in the, the uh, core files there at Dale Hollow. Uh, wasn't signed, and it was mainly the reason it was uh, promulgated was over a business rivalry. And I don't want to get into all that because it takes forever. Long story short, basically one of the guys at the mm-hmm. marina stuck a boat part down its throat, right? Well, he alleged that they did before to, they said, quote, unquote, fix it up real good or something along those lines. Yeah. 
and there's no evidence to suggest that. That was out of bitterness. The person who filed this got fired. Yeah. Hmm. And from and also had family relations with this, where the the fish was weighed. So, but he was fired as a guide by there. So he was he said all this uh, after a long investigation, and looking at the length and dimensions of the fish and all. 11 pounds, 15 ounces is within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Well, you um, can see that. So we have a life-size tr- painting of mm-hmm. that fish up there in the main office of Rick did, and he used the dimensions of the fish to paint that. And I think another problem is the mount is not very good. Yeah. And it was bent funny like they had rigor mortis in it. The taxidermy's come a long way since oh, yeah. 1955. So when you see the mount of it, you're not very impressed. Right. But then when you look at Rick's picture of it, when it yeah. came out of the water, the exact dimensions, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, the, it's that absolute, would eat, you know. It's ridiculous. And those are the exact dimensions. And I think that if you go to that David Hayes boat ramp at Del Hollow, that's the exact dimensions on that sign as well, right? It is. Yeah. And the fish was not taken far from there. No, that's what – and Chad has been – of course, Chad went down. He's talked to David Hayes. I think they did something when Chad was with the foundation, and David might have signed some of those. I was there. You were there? Mm-hmm. So were you on the boat ramp with him? Yes. So uh, I was at the boat ramp, and when they signed the things at home, I went with them when they went to his house. So because of all this controversy, and I guess it was kind of a, a headache for David back in the day when all this was going on. He never really talked about he it. He just got a bag. All he got was a box of bombers. Yeah. That's so, all. It was no big deal to him. It's just a fish. He but, was a, a wholesale grocer and and successful in his business. And back then, it, you know, we didn't have the FLW. We didn't have right, right now. That fish would be worth oh my god, buku dollars. Yeah, he would. He would be. Comfortable. Yeah. Back then, he was like, they sent me a box of, uh, and Field and Stream awarded him a prize, and then they sent him a, a box of bombers because he caught on a Pearl Bomber 600 lure, and the fish was so powerful, it pulled the front hook out of it. It was barely hooked. Yeah. the um, Chad said when they were down there, and you were there, of course, now too, I know that, you were down there on the boat ramp with uh, David Hayes, mm-hmm. and Chad was asking, you know, so, you know, about where did you catch a fish? And I guess David looked at him and he said, I'll tell you exactly where I caught that fish, and he pointed to the spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see it from that boat ramp, I guess. And I have pre-impoundment maps of Del Hollow yeah. that are fascinating. That's pretty cool. And where he caught it was an old, uh, you could do an old feedlot and there were house foundations. And he called, he swore he caught it earlier and he called it Old Joe. And he thought he had hooked that fish earlier and it gone off on him. Huh. And when he... The he, one that got away. Yeah. And then he was like determined to try to catch his fish again. Huh. And there he hooked uh, one time... Because it was a homestead, he hooked a big old uh, bucket. <laughs> he thought he had the giant is falling out the wrong time. <laughs> and it was a bucket. He's also caught like shoes and clothing and all sorts of stuff. So, so that that big old smallmouth was nestled down amongst some old house foundations yeah. there. That's cool. That's what that's what you get when you got a recently impounded lake. I mean, mm-hmm. you said he was uh, fishing on a feedlot. I can't think of a much more fertile place. And then he's got a foundation down he's there. Doing a, There's quite a few foundations in that lake. Yeah, there probably are. not as many left anymore yeah, though. Wave action's probably taken out about all that from from where it's at. But that's all because he they say that the conditions it took to create that fish were you know something that won't happen again. That's mm-hmm. why I would like it. I don't know. I don't know how often you do this, but I'm sure you do. I'll scroll through Facebook sometimes, and there'll be a, a headline that pops up or an article. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 fish records that will never be broken or the 10 most unbelievable catches. Mm-hmm. And it's always the picture of David Hayes in that smallmouth mm-hmm. is always number one. Yeah. Because that was a river fish. That fish was in the Wolf River. Yeah. So it was a huge river smallmouth, and then the the lake got impounded. And he just they grew like crazy. Yeah, I mean, was, it's the same thing that happened to the walleye. Well, it like doesn't even look like a fish. No. I mean, it doesn't look normal. Yeah. 
because it was, you know, it just had like a giant brand new buffet like shoved in his face all the time. Yeah. And he just sat there and went, <laughs> <laughs> just burnt it up. <laughs> That's funny. And just grew huge. Man, the funniest part of that is uh, catching that bucket. I can only imagine if I was like. <laughs> he thought he had a monster on. He told me he was laughing when he told me. He goes, I thought I had a big one on. Is a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> a big old bucket. Can you imagine how hard, how hard that bucket would fight you? Oh, man? my God. And, and see, he trolled. I mean, that's a lot of people. He had a trolling run, and he would line up, and he trolled that. And one of the reasons he did that, he said there was a couple that, that was in the bay that's pretty near that boat ramp that, that were fishing, and they were taking a boat, paddling it out into the middle of the cove and dropping their lures so they could they could cast that far. And then they would paddle back and watch. And so he didn't want to disturb the fishing, so he kind of altered his. He wanted to go deeper into the cove, but he cut it off a little bit so he didn't disturb those people. And when he made that little wiggle, wham, yeah. that's when old Joe hit. So, yeah, and I, so they say adding some uh, misdirection to your lure. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I'm fishing, I just want a real straight line. When it starts getting uh, you know halfway to me, I'll switch sides, mm-hmm. just throw a little bit of a turn in there. Sometimes that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Or when you're fishing a creek and it's bouncing, and then a lot of times when it makes that, if you're fishing upstream to down, when it makes that hook to come back towards yeah. you, pow! Yeah. I, I catch a lot on this. If I go stream fishing, and you know how, and you know, you know how when you go stream fishing, you, you know, you'll be kind of exploratory casting at first. Where are these fish at? And you can either find out, okay, they're held up by the grass in the slack water, or oh, they're actually sitting on the downstream side of a, a riffle right now, or right in the main current. So once I figure that out, a lot of times if they're in the current, I will cast across it and let my line drift that bait right through there. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're using something like a like a little spider rig or mm-hmm. any kind of soft plastic or a swim bait because you can keep tension on that swim bait and it'll swim all the way through. It just looks perfect. What head do you use on your creek swim bait? I actually Texas rig mine to go uh, weedless. So I'll just throw, depending on the current that day, I'll throw I'll put a, them on a slider head Texas rig, but it just doesn't, the, the head's attached. Oh, no, yeah. I just use a literally a, a bullet weight and I just switch out the size based on how much flow there is that day and then like a two-odd hook. Yeah, that's and, about, it's very similar. I like, and personally, you know, you think a, a smaller swim bait would be better in the creeks, but I like the four-inch Kytex. Hmm. And I, I'll buy the three and four at the same time, and I'll, I'll basically waste all my fours, and I'll switch to the threes. Then you take what's left. Yeah. I don't even know. I, need I to think just, the, uh, the jerk bait right now with nose hook jerk bait would destroy them right mm-hmm. now. How do you? How would you run that? Um, I get that, that albino shad color. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's one called like Fish a, Stalker. It almost sounds like a white it's white with purple top. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I know it sounds albino shad should be white, like sight flash. Yeah. But uh, it's got a purple top on it. And uh, the, the one fish stalker, it's made in South Carolina, I think. I, I love that one, but Bass Assassin something I have. And take a wide gap finesse hook like you'd use for uh, drop shotting or other, run it up through the bottom and just nose hook it. And that's all the weight you have. It yep. just jerk, jerk, and it has this weird spiral, like. Yeah, it almost looks like it's not even hooked. It's yeah. just right through the lips almost. Yeah, and you just boink, and then it'll spiral down and boink, and then you'll, if you're watching real hard, a lot of times it'll just disappear, and then off he goes. It's fun, man. It's I'll really you, I've been, I've been, I've been fish. in love with the swim baits for like the last two years, and I really think, I used to throw Rapalas all the time, and. I like the, the. I rarely throw a hard bait in for yeah, it's a, streams. Long I used to, I used to do it all the time. Like uh, the shallow run and bluegill color was one of my favorites, and the original Rapala two piece uh, with a like a gold. Those are all great. But 
it's so much easier to hook bottom when you got six hooks on the yeah. bottom of a bait. Versus mm -hmm. one Texas rig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when you lose a Rapala, which you're 20 times more likely to do than you are a swim bait, you just spent yeah. seven bucks seven instead of a yeah, dollar fifty. Mm -hmm. So it makes it a it's and much treble easier. hooks, keeping your kayak straight and flopping fish yeah. can That's make true. for a bad stuff. Day quit. Yeah, I got hooked by a smallie the other day. I, I was wading in the creek and I perfectly hooked him right through the top of the mouth with uh, that two-odd hook I was talking about. And he was swimming in the current. Actually, he hooked him upstream, so he was swimming downstream to me. And he ran that hook straight into my leg. Huh. Yeah, he like swam right into me, like just nose first. Stuck you with it. Stuck me. It went right to the barb. Speaking, oh. of, speaking of that, so, uh, you know, Chad's been fishing those TNT tournaments on Taylor's for lately. Did you know that? Uh -uh. Do you know? Well, yeah, every Tuesday night, him and Jared Swift. You know Swift? That's like one of Chad's old childhood friends and big fishing buddy and they go out there and fish those tournaments every tuesday night now and they have been doing pretty good they were winding up in the money every week last week they went out there and uh first thing that happened was chad broke his trolling motor so they're out there with no trolling motor it's bad mm. so they were trying to set up on the spot to fish and i guess the boat kind of got turned away they didn't want it to and chad went to make a big long bomb cast uh off the back of the boat and he goes Whoosh, and you know oh, just man. and he turned around and he had put that bait right through jared's face oh. <laughs> yeah. said they said they measured from where it went in at to where they popped it out at to cut the barb off and it was an inch and a half uh from, from the entrance to the exit right through the chin and right out down here yeah, it, was, it was a bad day they didn't they didn't finish in the money that day well no troll motor and uh hooking your partner it's a bad deal yeah it was pretty bad i've just talking about getting hooked by that fish the other day. I never, I've been hooked bad one time, but never in the face. So My grandmother did me that way with a three-hook Rapala. But she, she told me, don't run around behind me. I was like, eight. I ran around behind her. Whoop, and I went, wah! You know, and they, thank God she dropped it and it didn't bury him too bad. Granddad picked it out with a pair of pliers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Don't wiggles, you know. I need to start wearing glasses more than I fish with people more. Your face mask if you're out with Chad. <laughs> I think that, that might be one of the only times. But yeah, he said he got Jared right in the chin. And I, I've met Jared several times. He's funny. He actually owns a small company called, uh, uh, not even that small anymore. They got a bunch of pros. It's called The Leash. You ever heard of The Leash? Mm -hmm. They use the same kind of material that you use for uh, to tie a NASCAR motor into the into the chassis. It's like mm -hmm. a super strong material like Kevlar or something like that. Right. And it ties your... Uh, your motor into your boat so if you're running and you hit something your motor can't fly it huh. it's like a safety product mm, it's pretty cool yeah it's cool but uh didn't help him that day <laughs> you fished any of our tournaments lately Easton? yeah i did on third Get, last thursday guest was the last one wasn't it yep is yeah, that what you're talking pretty rough pretty rough yep who won? i haven't seen the results of that one yet uh, I got second with uh, seven and some change and Mike Harden won of course okay yeah uh, this was the first one Mike had fished in Long yeah, well, if, Mike, if Mike's fishing it, uh, if I'm betting horses, I think Mike might be my horse. You yeah, know? I mean, it yeah. might have been three years since he <laughs> I'd fished. hope I, if I could get 10 to 1 on him, I'd love it. He came in, <laughs> won, and then uh, his name got drawn. He got a $20 gift card at the end, too. So. Man, he just kicked y'all's butts. Yeah, just don't come back. <laughs> I mean, come on. He, I saw Harden Harden, was it with his son? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Jeff came out and fished with me the other day in my house. Uh, yeah. The pond? One of my ponds, yeah. He caught like a four and a half pounder. He's trying to fish topwater. He couldn't get one to stay on the hook, but he got like a four and a half. I got like a six, and my girlfriend was with us. She got she got skunked. So, 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 so yeah, that's a even, win for you, right? Even better day. Yep. Not doesn't happen too often. She usually beats me. Lee, right. Lee knows this. I'm gonna take her down there to catch out today, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna regret doing that when she pulls in like a 28 inch or something. Yeah. Like that. What was the record again? Six point eight or six pounds eight ounces. 
Um, I wish I knew where that was called. Where, what, what do you think the length is on a six-pound, eight-ounce saw guy? I wish I knew him better. I'd hate to speculate. I want to say the one I caught last night was 25 inches and probably between four and a half and five pounds. Does that sound about right? They run about the same thickness as walleye. Mm-hmm. I want to say like a 32-inch walleye is about nine pounds or so, mm-hmm. eight, nine pounds. It's a big fish. Yeah. So six pounds at 30 inches, 29? Probably something like that. When I, I mean, this one was obviously different. It was like pulling straight down, staying down on me. This is, I mean, they're a fun little fight. Mm-hmm. They fight pretty hard. Yeah, they're, they're strong fish. I was throwing six-pound test line. I had my drag set really light. And, um, you know, I, I pretty much after any one of them that I caught, I would cut off and retie six yeah. inches because those tees worry me. I only, mm-hmm. I only broke off from one, but I'm not sure. Retying is essential. Oh, yeah. That's one of those big tips, you know. If take, you take you know, two minutes to retie or you're going to lose your bait and cuss. Yeah, or, yeah, or it's because it's always going to happen with the biggest fish of the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, know. you get wrapped around a tree branch or catch a couple. Check, check your line. You know, a lot of people forget to check for abrasion. You know? Especially if they're biting, it's hard to make yourself clip Line. it off and retie. Yeah, I mean, hell, it's 15 seconds. Yeah. So, no. One of those tips. I'll tell you what, guys, I think we've probably been going long enough. It's 3 o'clock right now. Oh, wow, it is. It? Yeah, it's about time to get out of here. Time flies when you have fun. Yeah, well, I hope you did have fun, Easton, but I say we wrap it up. Okay, actually, you know what? One last thing. If somebody's interested in one of your programs, Angler's Legacy, a hook and cook, teacher's tackle box, or the kayaking version of Angler's Legacy, they can go to the department's page, right? Yep, and the best way to find a class is check online or shoot me an email. It's easton.copley, E-A-S-T-O-N, like the like the arrow manufacturer. That's where it came from. Yeah. Copley is in C-O-P, like cop, L-E-Y, copley. At, at ky.gov. Yep. And if you've got a group of people out there, maybe it's somebody at your church, you know, couple of your buddies whatever get a hold of it we'll set up a class specifically for you as long as you've got five or more people yeah um, i mean we're not looking for 100 people at a time so yeah well you are but you'll take yeah we'll take just, five you're in the business of teaching people how to fish so you're not going to turn down teach people how to fish that's right yeah if we can get five people that want to learn uh, we'll get set up yeah all you need all you need is a fishing license and uh so if you do go to the website it's just go to the fw.ky Dot, is that the website? Yes, fw.ky.gov. And then I think it's actually under the Learn tab. Yeah, or you can find it several different ways. Mm-hmm. Click on Education, then Acquired Education. Education, yeah. Education, Education. And your email address and everything's listed on there also. Yep. But. Yep. yep, good stuff. Uh, appreciate you coming in, Easton. Not a problem. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it. wrap it up, and let's all go catch some fish sometime. Uh, mm-hmm. Cool with that. All right, let's do it. <laughs>